Hi there, I'm James, and I'll be the host of Behind the Scalpel for 2023. On the show, we hear from surgeons of all specialties and walks of life, delving into their career, wielding the scalpel, as well as looking beyond the blade. What makes them tick, and what insight can they give to aspiring surgeons? Hi everyone, I'm Connell, and in this first episode, we'll be interviewing Dr. Ahmed Mahmoud, an orthopedic surgery trainee operating on the Gold Coast and past Griffith University med- medical graduate. Dr. Mahmoud, welcome to Behind the Scalpel. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me on uh, this uh, podcast to discuss orthopedics and how I got here. Yeah, no worries. Um, we might start by asking, can you just tell us like a little bit in general about yourself and, and what you do? So I went to Griffith University in my medical career. I did my medical degree here on the Gold Coast. And prior to to that, I did physiotherapy at Brisbane uh, UQ. But really, my interest in orthopedics grew while I was here at Griffith. And uh, one of the main things was having such great anatomy uh, tutorials and and teachings which sort of... uh, led me to down the surgical pathway. I wasn't sure what sort of surgery, but I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And I went on that journey. In regards to outside sort of medical s- school and, and orthopedics, I, I used to play soccer at uh, club level, less so now, more social level, but that was the thing that kept me going through medical school and after that. So that's a, a bit about me. I do enjoy uh, a bit of research, and I, I started that fairly early, uh, first year of medical school, and I still do that uh, to this day, and I try and maintain some research focus in my practice as well. Yeah, so you did mention about going to UQ for physio uh, and then coming down to the coast. Yep. What was your journey like getting into medical school? So in terms of medical school, it's something hard, you know, when you're in high school, it's hard to know what career path you're going to follow and why you should do it. And I think, you know, the best way to go about it is to pick something, finish it and, and go from there. So for me, I, I thought about doing medicine. Uh, I wasn't successful in uh, getting into medical school from, from uh, school, uh, high school. So I took the physio pathway, which I really did enjoy. But towards the end of the phys- physio degree, I, I thought I could continue to study and train and I thought medical degree would be the right thing for me. So I uh, sat the GAMSAT at that time, which is, you know, as you know, a very competitive and still very competitive test uh, and requires a lot of preparation. And that was my journey into Griffith. And for me, Griffith was a great choice because, one, it was a very nice medical degree with... Uh, Limited number of students at the time I started it was only 100 students, and at the same time they had a great uh, anatomy as well as communication courses, uh, which attracted me uh, to the course as well as being on the Gold Coast. It's a fantastic mm, place yeah, to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you mentioned Griffith's got a, a great anatomy program. In your time in medical school, I know you got to um, get involved in that as a tutor um, for medical students as well as like uh, being a prosector in the labs. How do you think that, that obviously, do you think that that helped um, going forward? And then I'll ask, like, how has DISA and study anatomy just in Griffith helped you in like, your intern years and, and now in surgery? 
So my anatomy journey started before I actually come to Griffith. I, uh, during my physio school, we, we do quite a bit of anatomy and I took a role as an anatomy tutor at the time. But really, I didn't understand anatomy fully until I came here because one, I, um, we were learning at a higher level and, and this uh, associate professor, this uh, really helped you expand on your anatomy knowledge and enco encouraged you to build up on it. So one of the first things that he helped me do was become a, a tutor in anatomy in the courses and then secondly, become a presector. Uh, and I did over 300 hours of presection. That oh, was wow. a lot of summer holidays work, which you sort of learn about the human body on a very deep sort of understanding because not only you know the superficial details of where is the structure, but you know how it relates to all the other structures and how it runs in the body. So I'd encourage anyone who considers surgery to one, take up tutorials and try and teach as much as possible mm -hmm. and then two try and prosect and I think that's uh, the opportunities here are you know second to none and that's how I grew my passion about anatomy and surgery. Mm. Yeah so you mentioned about the anatomy but with um, Griffith how does it stack up in teaching you the skills needed to be a really good intern and is it really just a blank slate when everyone gets into the hospital next year? I think uh, being an intern is about communication and hard work and these are the two things that you do learn quite a bit in uh, Griffith. So what the thing that sort of I didn't understand in medical school was the communication workshops and what I used to say I was I thought I can communicate and talk to people but you don't realize the complexity of communication and how variable that is between different patients, age groups and the workshops that we ran here are very applicable to what you see in everyday life and practice. So I think, number one, that's the most helpful bit. And number two, the anatomy teaching is exceptional and it allows you to really grow into ortho, uh, whatever sort of surgical specialty you do. And if you're not interested in surgery, I think anatomy is relevant to every practice. The, for example, the emergency uh, uh, exam, uh, the basics exam involves a lot of anatomy, as does the anaesthetics exam. So I think it's applicable to all specialties, even if you don't do surgery. So that's the key points. Mm. Yeah. Um, I might transition into a bit of like your surgical life now. Was it always orthopedic surgery or were you interested in, you know, a few others and then kind of ended up in orthopedics? I think as a medical student, it's very hard to know what sort of specialty you want to do. But I was interested in surgery in general. And initially I thought I might do neurosurgery mm -hmm. and I did determine that, I explored that and it just didn't feel perfect for me. Then I did terms in general surgery, which I did really enjoy. Uh, and then finally I did some orthopedics. And with my background being a physio, I felt that was the right choice for me uh, because I like the work, I like the people I work with and I like the knowledge and, and learning aspect of it. And for me, orthopedics is an ever-growing, developing field that I see myself living in. Mm -hmm. Because that's the way you've got to see yourself in surgery. It it's becomes part of your life uh, because you're getting calls on a regular basis about patients and care and you're doing on-call. So you've got to really enjoy it to, to last the distance. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's not it's common knowledge that um, surgeries might not be the best lifestyle. Um, so, like, what keeps you motivated throughout the journey? Uh, 
I'd, I'd disagree with that in terms of a lifestyle. Actually, surgery has been changing and developing. And the my ability to be here with you mm. and do this podcast indicates they do have some time to spend outside of work. So I've been able to still maintain playing social sports while doing my surgical work and on call, as well as doing other research and and uh, activities. So I think the the understanding that surgery has no lifestyle is changing, and there are new opportunities, including part-time surgical training, as well as um, regular sort of times off where you have one day a fortnight that's allocated for your admin or off. So I think that's the, uh, the idea is different. I think we can move away from that and consider that surgery can be inclusive in your lifestyle and can improve your lifestyle rather than diminish it. Mm. Now for an important question, on the social soccer field, what position are you playing? <laughs> Look, I, I played striker and wing, but mm-hmm. I did not have many goals. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are some of the craziest surgeries you've actually you've been a part of? I think uh, one of the most crazy uh, surgeries I've been part of was during my time at the PA, both in orthopedics and outside orthopedics. So I'll go outside orthopedics first. And I think one of the most intense operations I've been in was liver transplant. Mm. And I assisted uh, six or seven of those at my time at the PA. And they take about six to seven hours and there's a whole lot of blood. Yeah. And for you seeing that sort of complexity is quite exciting and uh, it's you know it's great to be in that operation because you're not really an essential member you do uh, do some retraction but there's not a lot of responsibility so you get to enjoy and and learn the anatomy and see how you know high level surgeons operate in terms of orthopedic surgery i spent a term on the tumor um, uh, orthopedics and uh, that was also at the princess alexandra hospital and I got to see people having their whole femurs replaced and you know, part of their tibias replaced and that's with a metal or bone uh, allograft. And that's, you know, when you're a medical student, you don't even realize that that is possible, yeah. a possibility. And, and then you see it in practice and you realize, you know, the things we do are quite amazing uh, in surgical practice. Mm. And being part of Sergio and then been on the board of the Australasian Student Surgical Association, you'd be pretty aware of the difficulties to get onto training programs. So is there any advice you would give to students that are thinking of trying to get onto a training program? I think the first step is to find out if it's the right thing for you. Because there's no point in saying you like the idea of surgery, but it might not work for your lifestyle or you might not work for your, you know, other aspirations and goals in life. So that's the first step. The second step is to find mentors who've done it and who've been there. Mm. And they don't have to be senior, they don't have to be in the same specialty, but they need to be in the realm and understanding of what's going on and how the application process works. And then thirdly, you need to sit with those people and come up a plan that will be suitable for you for the next five to 10 years. And that involves what sort of research you need to do, what sort of requirement you need to tick, and what sort of places you need to work at in order to achieve your goal. So that's the steps I undertook. So first thing I did was like, I figured out I wanted to do surgery, not sure what sort of surgery. 
So then I discovered uh, mentors like uh, Dr. John Quinn, who's a vascular surgeon, uh, Dr. Peter Myers, who's an orthopedic surgeon, and uh, uh, Dr. Withers, she's a neurosurgeon at Gold Coast. And I, you know, talked to these people regularly, found out my interest, and developed a plan. And after that, I followed through that plan. Yeah. Um, so obviously you've mentioned that, like, you disagree with the the argument like surgeons have just a really poor lifestyle. How do you think that you've like maintained that work life balance like in med school and then and then even through progressing in ten years and and up to now? It's you have to be able to timetable yourself. So, for example, you need to plan week by week. So I'd say, look at your on call roster. Look at your after hours roster and plan your activities around that because it's very hard to change your work dynamics and it's much easier to just flow, go with the flow in terms of work because the more it changes, the more problems you create for other people such as your bosses and administrators. So it's easier just to go with the work. And I used to say, oh, I'll finish work at six, you know, I'll have dinner and then straight away I'll go to training. And you know, I used to do two uh, training sessions a week and then a game on the weekend and have that all allocated ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And knowing the games you're gonna miss and letting your coaches know. So you're always prepared for what's coming. Obviously, if it's possible to have someone else cover for you or have uh, a colleague look after your shift so you can do other activities, that'd be ideal. But there's always payback. You know, you do something for someone, they'll you do, and they'll do something for you. So that's sort of uh, how it works. I wouldn't worry so much about lifestyle in the first year. During your internship, it's very overwhelming in the first couple of weeks, especially because you go from having learnt and uh, practiced to actually doing it with real patients. So it can be very hard. So trying to keep it all together in the first couple of weeks is very hard. So I just focus on work. And after a couple of months, you'll find yourself, or oh, you know, this is not too bad, then you can start expand and adding activities, yeah. but not trying to commit to yourself to too many things, not trying to do five projects, study for an exam, and have, you know, a lot of social life, because that will end up in failure and burnout. So you don't want that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, lastly, on the topic, uh, we might just transition to a bit about the future. Uh, so where do you see, firstly, the future of orthopedic surgery heading? And then also we've seen a rise in robotics and a bit on AI, especially with like radiology and pathology. So do you think orthopedic surgery might be in strife soon or is that distant into the future? I think orthopedic surgery is very safe because the practicality of uh, orthopedic surgery is very difficult to replicate on uh, computer bases and it's worth noting though that uh, integrating technology into surgery has become more of a theme over the last couple of years. It's not something new and it's, it's been um, mainstream in say urology, but now in orthopedics, we do a lot of knee replacements with robotic assistance. We do a lot, some hip replacements with robotic assistant, and we do a lot of operations, especially very complex ones with navigation or with custom-made jigs that are pre-printed uh, for the patient's anatomy. So 
it's becoming an integral part of our practice. And that's the exciting part about orthopedics is that it's adapting and incorporating all this technology and enabling you to use it to improve patient care. But it's not really compromising your job and it's not really threatening your job. So uh, I think regarding the future, we have an unlimited potential for expansion and exploration as well as incorporation of technology in orthopedics mm. and that's a very exciting field. Yeah, for sure. Um, you obviously, you've been a part of quite a, a number of research articles. With your like experience in that, do you think that that helped you more um, just in terms of on the resume getting into surgical roles or do you think that that research really did assist you when, you, when you're in hospital and, and working in there? I'd, I'd encourage all medical students, maybe not first year, maybe from second year, to take up a project, no matter how small or big it is, mm -hmm. and just to run with it. Because you'll find that you might not get the fruit of your work in the first couple of months or years, but eventually you'll have something great and you don't know uh, what you'll have. So I'll give you an example of how I began my research career. I was. I was always interested in research but found it difficult to start projects and found it difficult to find the right people and you just have to keep trying. So I initially connected with Dr. Peter Myers, who's a knee surgeon uh, up in Brisbane and he gave me a project and said this project you might get a presentation out of and it was relating to meniscus transplant which as a medical student is a very overwhelming and difficult topic but I read into it and I followed through with the data collection and I worked on publications and through our team effort there we could we published four papers in that very topic when initially we thought we might get a presentation. So you don't actually know what the result's going to be, you just have to be persistent and have something running. So my, my uh, advice would be one, to find the right person to work with, two, to find the right project that fits you. And three is to maintain it and consistently work at it. For you know, you might feel like years, but at the end of the day, once you start working, you would have developed so many relationships of people you've met and known. And having a familiar face around the hospital helps so much, and it en enables you to meet people outside of your work zone that you work with or email that eventually help you progress in your career. The other things, the benefits, is you get points on your CV. And when you're applying for jobs, especially as a PHO or principal house officer, it helps you get those better jobs and move forward to your career. Yeah, so we, we heard that you enjoyed tutoring and uh, teaching the med students with anatomy. Um, do you see yourself possibly having a future in medical education and coming back to Griffith maybe? That's always been one of my goals, is to have an academic role as well as um, being an orthopaedic surgeon. I'm very early on in my ortho orthopaedic training career, so I've still got a number of years to finish. Uh, but academia for me is something that I always try and connect with. And that comes from my father being a professor of engineering and he, he loves teaching. And I feel like genetically I've been born into doing that as well. So. I try and maintain a relationship with the university and the anatomy course and whatever is uh, I can get my hands on uh, because one, I love teaching and it's great to keep connect, uh, connected to the students and also 
it helps you keep an eye on what's developing in the medical field uh, because a lot of times you learn more from your students than you teach them because they've read something that's probably newer than the knowledge you've learned, you know, five, six, seven years ago. So I think it's uh, uh, something that I look forward to. And if I do end up uh, uh, having an academic role and at Griffith, that would be perfect. Mm. Yeah. Um, we might wrap it up soon because we know you're, you're a busy man. So thanks, Ahmed, for joining us today on Behind the Scalpel. Uh, I think Connell and I really enjoy the aspects talking about your work-life balance and your, your soccer career, which is good. Um, and finally, if there was one piece of advice that we, you would give to aspiring surgeons or medical students in general, what would it be? Find a mentor and talk to them. Mm. That's great advice. Yeah. yeah. All right, thanks, Ahmed. Um, definitely. And thanks for sharing that today. And uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for the invitation. Right, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Scalpel. Make sure to follow us on Instagram or Facebook to keep up with the latest news. See you next time, either on our next episode or at one of Sergio's upcoming events.